Hello okay. and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Talk Africa podcast. This evening we have a very brilliant young man making a name for himself in the cybersecurity sector. Is none other than Samaila Bako. Samaila, please can you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'm sure, Apis. Thanks for having me on your on your show. So I'm um, Samaila Atenbako. I'm um, well, a cybersecurity professional. I specialize in cybersecurity awareness trainings, uh, especially for non-IT people. I also um, enjoy digital forensics and uh, things around social engineering. Um, my background, I. Okay, well, let me just stop there for now. I guess we might come across other things as the talk goes on. Is sure, that... sure. So, can you give us a brief insight into how you got started in cybersecurity? Did you always know you were going to do security? Uh, and so, in school, you studied cybersecurity, or you were out of school and you felt, okay, this is an exciting new field, and let me just uh, give it a shot. What was it for you? So I didn't always know that I would study cybersecurity. In fact, I started computer science in one school, and I changed uh, I changed schools. So when I went to the, uh, to the second university, I uh, started studying information um, systems. So and that was an American school. So what happens is that you are allowed to pick what we call a concentration, which means where you can specialize in, and they do that in your third or final year. So when we we're asked to pick our concentrations, I looked at the options. I think there was database administration, there was management information systems. Um, one of the options was information security and assurance. And so uh, myself and a couple of my friends said that we should go that way since we already know a bit about computer security and things but so that was where i got my first hand um, um, exposure to cyber security i did a course on computer security on um, if i remember correctly database security and also computer forensics so that kind of gave me an insight uh, so after that uh, when i finished school i did my nyc during my nyc i was considering what to do for my masters and so i started checking schools and I applied for schools offering things around information security or cyber security and that was how um, I went fully into it. I went to my master's and everything else in history. You see. Oh, nice. So, how has the uh, journey been for you? Especially uh, when you consider the Nigerian factor. Before I answer, what do you mean by the Nigerian factor? <laughs> you know, compared to the rest of the world, or let me say, the more advanced um, countries, cybersecurity in Nigeria, or let me say, Africa is still, still coming up, still developing. If you if you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, considering those uh, different factors, how has the cybersecurity journey been for you? Um, it's, it's been a mixed bag in, it, in, in the sense that um, there, there have been good times, there have been bad times, there, there's been a lot of learning and the learning has been beyond 
um, Sarah's Pretty. I've, I've gotten to work with teams, I've been on projects, and so I've learned uh, more about working with people, about managing teams. I've learned a lot about consulting, meeting people's needs, um, being uh, interfacing with both technical people and non-technical people, those business skills and the likes. So um, it's been it's been interesting so far, and I'm still like I think I don't I don't think I have um, any regret being in the industry. Even though obviously I wish we were more advanced and we, there was more investment in the industry. Right, right. So about uh, a week ago, less than six days ago, we all heard the news about the uh, LinkedIn breach, and for me. What is staggering is the figure, 700, and, 700 million uh, records were leaked and currently they are available on the dark web for sale. What is your take on that? First, LinkedIn came out to say, no, it is not true and all that. But then there are a couple of reports and um, they are saying they've been able to verify some of the records and indeed, they are true. So, what is your take on the whole uh, 700 million figures, if that is right, and also what this means for all uh, social media platforms? Um, so, I've not really been following the story as much. Uh, so, I'm aware that, yes, they were hacked, and the, the hacker claims to have um, 700 million um, records. So the thing is, when it comes to data breaches, I'm not, um, I'm not quick to, to I don't want to, I don't, I'm, I'm believe any party. To you. No, not not about believing, but I'm not quick to maybe point fingers or say, oh, they should have done this, they should have all those kind of things, and and the reason is is simply because in our connected world today, as we as we all say in cybersecurity, it's not a matter of if you've been hacked, it's a matter of when you'll be hacked. Right. right. So, and it's simply because there are so many um, things to cover when it comes to cybersecurity. The, the the attack surfaces has become quite large, and if you look at our uh, this era of COVID, has accelerated digital transformation and led to a lot of work from home and remote work um, scenarios. That's led to use of shadow IT and personal devices for work purposes. You realize that the threat landscape and the attack surface is way way bigger. And so when I hear of people getting hacked, I mean, it's sad that um, our data or the data of the user uh, has been stolen and is up for sale. But we hope that um, people learn from every data breach and put things in place to prevent it from happening. And so that is what we hope that the other the other social media platforms will learn from what has happened. And not just from LinkedIn, because it's a fellow social media platform. They can learn from other hacks that have happened as well. So they are up to date and they are able to either prevent the breach or to minimize the impact of the breach or how much data can be stolen. Right, right. So is that to say that once you are, you know, signing up for a social media account, you just have it in mind that, okay, whatever I put on this platform is not safe. <laughs> uh, well, if you really put it in, in the public domain, so technically, it's, it's, it's like some people claim that anything you post on, on social media is not yours; it belongs to well everyone now, and things like that. But yeah, beyond that, your personal data—at least you expect 
um, some level of security from from the firm that you are giving your data to. Uh, right. Unfortunately for us, on this in this part of the world, we do not have uh, any data protection acts or privacy acts that could help us seek redress in this kind of situation. But I'm sure we'll, we'll probably see one or two new coming up about how this affects um, EU citizens and things like that. You never know. Yeah, data protection. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Great. So, throughout the year, we've had um, numerous uh, cyber attacks. Colonial Pipeline, you know, that was uh, a world news, a global news. Then the solar wind attack, then the attack on the health sector in uh, uh, Ireland, you know, several attacks. And most times what we hear is ransomware. But there are other forms of cyber attacks that people don't get to hear of. And one of them is man in the middle attack. Can you briefly explain to us what man in the middle attack is all about? Well, in, in, in the man sense, or at least in Nigeria lingo, I would just call it Amiibo. Ah, right. This <laughs> <laughs> is basically someone trying to eavesdrop into another person's conversation to get um, get wind of what people are talking about. So person A and person B are communicating electronically, and then person C now tries to intercept the communication to know what they are discussing and sometimes they might do that to even modify it or just to steal the sensitive data wow wow so how dangerous is this uh form of cyber attack to be honest it's i i I consider one of the most dangerous ones and this reason is a lot of times you might not know this is happening right it's 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 I, I i look at it from the angle of um spyware things like keyloggers when they are collecting what you're typing on your keyboard you don't know that it's collecting it and so it's not as if you're taking any extra measure to watch what you are typing unlike when you're on social media that you're okay you're trying to be careful you don't post the wrong thing or that kind of thing when you are doing your thing in your private space you're not looking out for these dangers so it's a very dangerous one because of the the breach of privacy it gives and also the fact that a lot of times it targets sensitive data right so what does this mean for the average internet user well the the, in the average internet user would um, make use of things like banking applications for instance or we'll make use of, uh, well, at least we we'll make use of the internet and, um, and and the browser. And so when you have a situation that there's a man in the middle attack happening, whatever transaction, whatever activity you are doing in the browser could either be modified, could be, or could just be captured by the attacker. And sometimes if it's something like maybe logging credentials for your social media or for your banking, that means the attacker could decide to use that information to to attack or rather to gain access to your accounts so it can it can be quite devastating right so when you fall victim to a man in the middle attack do you get any signs are there any symptoms or nothing happens because i'm you know a bit confused as to how 
will you now know when you've been compromised because if there are no symptoms if there are no signs that um, maybe your computer has been compromised for years for months you won't know you've been uh, you are currently a victim of man in the middle attack so are there symptoms to watch out for or signs you need to look out for to be on alert to know that okay maybe i've been compromised or i'm a victim of um, a man, man in the middle cyber attack so it depends on i think there are some scenarios that you may know and there are some that you may not really have any symptoms um one example would be in the case of um let me say maybe um email the attacker is able to intercept emails modify send or whatever is doing is share in between you and the person you're actually trying to converse with if you are able to have a conversation outside the email space you might realize that oh this is not actually what we talked about this is not this this is not what i sent there, there are people that have uh, maybe they've gotten access to someone's email and uh, maybe the person is like the cfo of the company and they realize that this oh this cfo usually sends their bank account details to their vendors via sorry to their their customers via email that oh you need to make your payment is due make payments to this account so the person can decide to now change the account number and leave maybe the account name and other things so that it's really the um, if the account is in the same bank so that the person doesn't double check and you find out that the person might the, the clients might end up making transfers to the attacker's account instead of the company account so that's one way that um, this can happen so in that in that scenario you might not necessarily know that the attacker is even in your email or intercepting your email or is modifying your email until payments have been made and they're asking we've not received any uh, maybe uh, let's say invoice or confirmation rather of this payment we've made how come and you and the, and the cfo might be like no we've not received any payments and that's how you now investigate and realize, oh, the payments was made to your wrong account. What could have happened? So there are other scenarios. Um, some people consider uh, uh, Wi-Fi eavesdropping as another. Uh, it's like a type of man in middle attack. The scenario where uh, um, the attacker has um, created has created maybe what we call or, or has access to maybe is to the admin. Um, aspects of the public Wi-Fi or free Wi-Fi and people connect maybe like at hotels or parks, airports, malls and the likes. And so when that happens, the because the attack, the sorry, because the network may not be secure and it's just open, the attacker may be able to eavesdrop and see what people are doing on their devices. So in this scenario, it's difficult to know because it's normal to see um open Wi-Fi networks at airports and things. So even if you connect to the wrong one, you might not even know you're connecting the wrong one. And even if you connect to the right one that the attacker has control over, you will not know that the attacker is seeing what you're doing. Actually, the attacker doesn't disrupt your service. The attacker doesn't stop you from browsing or make it obvious that he's there. You wouldn't know. And that is why, uh, like again, that is why a money attack can be very dangerous. And there are several other ways that it happens, but for now, let's leave it at those two. Right. So, you've mentioned that one way is uh, through uh, public Wi-Fi. Are there other means uh, by which cyber criminals deploy man-in-the-middle attacks? Yes. Um, 
<laughs> there's what we call um, spoofing. Some people also, you know, there are different schools of 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 of, of thoughts. Some consider spoofing as a form of manipulative attack in the sense that um, maybe a similar domain or a domain similar to where you want to go to has been registered by the attacker, and the attacker can maybe use uh, phishing emails to send to people that are unsuspecting users of the internet. And the idea is just to get them to visit that website that they may be interested in. And you click on the wrong link and it takes you to a fake website or the website the attacker has created. So that is, it's not necessarily man in the real attack, but, it, but, it, but the person is, let's like say, getting between you and where you want to go to and making you go to the wrong place, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's probably a better way to explain this, but that's that's something that I came across while doing some some read up. Um, yeah, so there there are different ways. There are different ways. There's a very technical one where someone is actually targeted. Your machine is actually targeted, and the guy is just trying to gain access to your system so they can capture what you are doing and use it for their own purposes. But wow. they are, yeah, but I've been talking of the generic ones that can happen in public spaces without any specific person in mind. But a lot of times we've seen where people are targeted for this kind of attack. And the, like I said, the goal is either to gain access to the sensitive data that you have, yeah, that's your personal information, or to even modify the content of your transmission message to probably get you to do something or get you to believe something. Right, right. So from time to time, we all use uh, public Wi-Fi, maybe at the airport, maybe in school, maybe in the hospital, you know. How do you... Many people have said, once you want to connect to a public Wi-Fi, use VPN. Is that the go-to method, um, uh, way to protect yourself while you're using a public Wi-Fi? Or I going to recommend that if the Wi-Fi is public, do not use it. Or are there other means by which, you know, you can still connect and um, make sure that both your device and your personal information are safe? So the, 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 the thing is that ideally, you shouldn't use any Wi-Fi that you do not, you do not know for sure who is broadcasting the signal. Uh, but there are, there are always going to be scenarios that you may not have mobile data. You may not have your own source of um, internet and so you need to use one that is publicly available and that is actually why we cannot tell you to not use public wi-fi because there are scenarios you need it so that's where yeah vpns come in because vpns they mask your network they mask your data so that um or they could actually create a secure pathway for your own data to transfer so that if someone else is trying to capture your data they will not see it in plain text or in pure in clear text to not make right. sense to them they even try to capture it so that is why we advise because it does that but then again there's also the risk of vpns you know there there, there are so many types of there are so many options when it comes to vpns so which one are you using do you know um who made it is it um, is it a malicious person that just created a vpn app and put it on the app store and then you downloaded it or it's from a trusted source is it a paid one is it a free one so, 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 so is beyond just using VPN, you know which VPN are you using? Does this VPN actually sniff my data or try to capture my data or not? So you need to know about the VPN using as well. So yeah. <laughs> That's the issue right. with that. But, 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 but yeah, for the sake of um, man in the middle attacks, 
VPNs are a good way when you want to use um, public Wi-Fi. Right. But um, there's something else some people do. Uh, when you when they connect to to public Wi-Fi or just gen- or yeah, free Wi-Fi or public Wi-Fi, they you know on Windows machines. I don't know if it happens on Mac machines as well. On Windows machines, it will ask you if you want to enable network discovery, which allows other devices on the network to see your device and things like that. Some people disable this so that. Welcome back, Samaila. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I think I would take you up from where I stopped. I was talking about uh, another measure people use when they are using um, uh, public Wi-Fi. So some people, uh, when using Windows machines, they can disable the network, which um, prevents other users on the network from um, accessing the device. So it limits file sharing and things like that. But um, like I said, it's, even, it's um, Im- almost impossible to detect what we call an evil team attack, which is when the attacker make a similar uh, Wi-Fi to the one that people know and people trust. Right. So you've been in the cybersecurity uh, industry for a while. Where do you see the sector in the next five years? I expect that we would have uh, more more laws that will shape the industry. Um, for instance, um, the Data uh, Privacy Act, Data Protection Act, should be up. I also expect that the National Cybersecurity Agency should be up and running. These are moves that will actually boost the sector in the sense that it will give um, guidance on what to do, how to do it. It will the, the the agency will be able to be like to give um, um, regulations for practice for practitioners and organizations to abide by, which will give us a better sound, better quality. Uh, there will be increased awareness on cybersecurity because of the way the world is going. Naturally, there will be more people that are willing to invest maybe in user education for their employees the more people that will be looking for means to gain an education in cybersecurity either through courses online courses or open degrees the people looking to take certification exams so we could have way more way like many more certified professionals in nigeria and things like that but i see the industry growing my wish is that it grows faster than it is at the moment right so, as somebody that offers uh, trainings, what is the weirdest um, thing that has happened during the course of uh, a training you were facilitating? Considering the fact that most times you said you deal with people who are not um, IT or tech savvy. Mm, well, we we do have mixed mixed crowds sometimes, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people, there was a time, this, this was in a secondary school in Abuja, so this was like a free awareness campaign, not technically a training and so facilitating. And when we finished talking about some things that had to do with uh, 
think social engineering um, I can't remember exactly how it was the lady basically said that she take and I'm like take what is it her phone like why is it that she doesn't want to go again uh-huh. <laughs> because she felt that the, the phone was the, the phone basically can get her in trouble in the sense that can give off her data and make her to lose her money in her bank so she, she became paranoid and I tried to explain to her that oh no the reason why we are telling you this thing is so that you know they exist so that you are, you are informed and you are able to watch out for them and not fall victim to scams and fraudulent activities online right. then they eventually calm down again and continue listening it was funny <laughs> the way she reacted so she was just like ah take who that kind of thing and she was quite serious about it too so did she later collect her phone or you are a, you are the owner of a brand new phone now <laughs> no i didn't even collect it i just um took the opportunity to explain to her more to make to make it make sense so right. she doesn't feel as if uh, yeah she needs to do it with technology right right so thank you so much samayla for your time it has been really really amazing listening to you asking you questions and you know hearing your different takes on different uh topics and aspects of cyber security but before we round up i want you to give us a forward um, as to cyber security in general a lot of people say that we are losing the fight against the bad guys because they are more united they are more um advanced in their methodologies and thinking and um, they are patient they play the long game what is your take on this are we losing the war is there hope or you think no we are definitely in control i wouldn't i wouldn't say we are losing or we are winning and it's simply because it's difficult to quantify the number of wins as opposed to losses in terms of maybe successful breaches or successful attacks as opposed to blocked attacks right. if you take the situ- uh, the 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 of so malware and antiviruses we are we've gotten to a point where um, majority of malware can be picked up or can be blocked by um, antiviruses and anti malware solutions so if you are looking at that scenario alone do you now say the um, bad guys are winning no then again the, the 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 we are in a situation where we are playing catch up there are zero day attacks that attacks that are not known until they are exploited that keep happening every day and so as as the good guys as security professionals we are playing catch up and trying to figure out what has been done always exploited how do we stop the attack and how do we block it or stop it from happening in the future so we are always playing catch up um also there are, i want to believe that there are more bad guys than um, than good guys in the industry there are way more people that have been doing that have been hacking for money or causing problem way before um the, the era of security professionals came on board and so is um it's not a uh, a balanced field there's this saying that um um uh, is this cyber security moves at the speed of the law or something like that well the bad guys move at the speed of light or something like that i can't remember exactly how it goes but it just tells you that we are also restricted there are things right. you can't do 
as a service professional, as, a, as an ethical hacker, for instance, but there are those things do not apply to the bad guy that is trying to break into people's um, um, uh, systems. And so for this, like I said, I wouldn't say anybody's winning or losing, but it is a battle that we shouldn't give up on because uh, we're the good guys and we're doing the right thing. I, I won't say I agree, but I hear you. <laughs> but just to put things in more perspectives, when we had the colonial pipeline attack, it disrupted a lot of activities. People, you know, got frustrated because they wouldn't get well and uh, basically almost sabotaged the economy of that region. That is one. Recently, there, there, were, there were a couple of reports that a cyber criminal or a criminal group tried to poison the water supply of a whole city. Now, this is to tell you the extent to which these criminal organizations are going. Now, do you still feel it is it is still anybody's game, or uh, do you want to reconsider your stand? I'm, I will still maintain my stand. So, like I said, um, there are more players in the game. And you see, the issue with um, cyber crime or cyber attacks is that anybody with a computer and, and, and the internet can start one. So, imagine how many young guys that maybe are, are still in school that are just downloading different tools on the internet and trying different things out on different websites. Imagine how many those guys contribute per day. Before you now even talk about those that are actually doing it, those that are being in the game and they are doing it to target somebody. And then we now go to situations um, like um, ransomware for hire or ransomware as a service, where you can just plug into someone's infrastructure and able to um, um, launch ransomware attacks on so many endpoints on the internet. This, that is what, that is um, the, 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 those are the kind of attacks or problems we're trying to prevent. And so because not every organization, not every person is tech savvy, but everyone is a potential target. It means there's always going, it's always going to look very terrible. If you have a, like a football game, you have a team with 11 players, and that team with maybe three players. It's always going to look as if one team is playing better. Why? They have more people. I mean, if everybody has similar skills. And that's just the same thing. There are too many attacks coming from different places through different... Uh, meanwhile, we that are recipients of those attacks, not everyone is good or what is bad. In fact, we that should know what is good, sometimes we still won't for these attacks, but we still get attacked. And so, because right. of that, I, uh, the, 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 it's not, it will not be fair to say that they are winning in the sense that a whole lot of attacks that get blocked go unnoticed. We do not usually get stats for block attack, but if you check, for instance, antivirus companies check their website. They will tell you social number of attacks uh, of malware were blocked today or identified today. Social number of malicious websites were taken down or access to those websites were blocked. And those kind of things, you see those stats, and that tells you that a lot of good is actually happening in the industry. But obviously, bad news travels faster than good news. So. Right, right. So, you know, this takes me to state-sponsored state attacks. Uh, which is um, basically cyber warfare. Where do you think we are in Africa? 
when it comes to cyber warfare are we ready or do you think we are still we still believe nobody is after our key um, infrastructures because maybe we have nothing to lose we've gotten loans from asia europe and all that so anybody that attacks us is at their own peril nothing to lose what is your take on that so the thing with uh, if, if obviously if 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 you're going to compare nigeria with um, um the western world we are way less prepared than so many countries and is 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 one simple reason is you cannot compare the budgets that goes into defense or cyber security in the us in the uk they are spending hundreds of of millions in their respective currencies sometimes the budgets might even enter billions on just either defense or cyber security so you do not expect that we that a country that our i think our annual budget at this point is probably like 20 billion dollars or so we are dragging uh, our whole national budget with that it's you don't expect the 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 strength or the resilience to be the same that's being said there's always room for improvement we see that even the developed world, they still get um, attacked, both by nation states, um, actors, and even hacktivists and other people. Like you mentioned the, the colonial pipeline attack, you mentioned the water treatment plant attack. Those are all attacks in the Western world. And so everyone is a target. Um, it, it, there, there are people that will tell you that oh, I don't have money in my account, so no one wants, to, no one will target my bank or my bank or my account and things like that. So they don't even care about their personal information and stuff. Right. But like, there's 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 value for personal data. There's value for even your email account on the dark web. There's value for every piece of data because there's always a buyer that wants it for something. Right, right. So I won't take you for that because I already said. Um, uh, we're rounding up about 12 minutes ago. So, thank you so much, Ismaila Bako, for your time. It has been great listening to you, talking to you, discussing and asking you various questions. We hope to have you back on the show when we start the uh, YouTube editions. So, please, expect our invitations later in the future or very soon. No, no problem at all. Um, it's, it's, it's glad to have joined you today.